0: Welcome to the Renew Life Church podcast. No matter what situation we find ourselves facing, we know that God wants to speak clearly to us. So wherever you're listening from today, we want to thank you for being here. Grab a cup of coffee and join us as we tune into our Sunday conversation. Well, good morning, Renew Life Church. Welcome. So glad you're here with us, whether you're here live in the Cole Theater uh, or you're watching online. We're just glad you're with us, glad you're connected. Uh, what an incredible opportunity it is to just somehow be together even when we're separate. The Bible talks about no time or distance in the Spirit. And so I just believe that right now there's no distance in the Spirit, no time in the Spirit. We're all together. Uh, that is why we are doing this. That is why I am not personally standing on this stage right now at the Coal Theater preaching this message is we have a hunger to be together in this, in this season. We have a, a hunger to go forward together, hear the same, hear the same teaching, hear the same message. Uh, I even believe that God's using this season prophetically to get the word out, the word that's coming from this church, from this house, from a new life church, from me and Keith and Cody and the different people. Uh, I believe he's even using this season uh, to get out into places that we will probably go into in the future, uh, to get that word out, to start sowing seeds into people. I know there's already some that are watching uh, from cities that don't even have a New Life Church there, but we're just glad you're here with us, watching uh, along with us. But uh, I'm going to jump right in. I, I feel like I have a, a very important uh, word. I don't always feel this kind of an urgency to a word. Um, I think sometimes you're, you're feeding the sheep, so to speak, as a pastor. But uh, then every now and then I think you know that there's something that God said to you, that's of significance, that's of importance. And uh, so, if you got your Bibles, you can turn to Philippians chapter two, uh, and we'll get there. There's there's a prophetic nature to this season. I don't think we can deny this. There's there's a, there's so much going on. There's a lot that God's doing, uh, and there's a very prophetic nature to this season. There are some things that, if you pay attention, we we as a church came into this year. Uh, with this heart posture, believe the prophet, so shall you prosper. And so we've really been leaning into uh prophetic direction. And uh there was a prophet, a very a very trusted prophet to us who had a a prophetic word uh going into this year. Uh and and in this, I won't go into all the details and I probably would mess it up, but the, the gist of it was he had Jesus was coming towards him and uh in the dream, it was like a very intimidating moment. At the last minute, he stepped out of the way, and the, and the Lord turned and said to him, "Get out of my way." Uh, very different posture than he was used to having the Lord speak to him uh, in. And so, uh, when I, I remember listening to that, and I felt very strongly that the Lord nudged my heart, and said, "Pay attention to that. Pay attention to the tone of voice, if you will, the prophetic tone of voice uh, that I have there." and So I have been, I've been leaning into that. Some of this DNA is already sprinkled into some of the stuff we've already talked about. Uh, But I want to start a message today. I think it's going to be two parts uh, called the Lordship of Jesus. The Lordship of Jesus. I think everyone, if asked the question, is Jesus Lord? The answer is overwhelmingly, automatically, yes. But I want to ask, is he really? Is he really Lord, let me read this scripture from Philippians chapter two. I'm going to start in verse five. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. There's more language like we've been talking about. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, in other words, because this was his attitude, therefore God ha- also has highly exalted him and given him the name, which is above every name, that in the na- at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and that those in heaven and on those on earth and those under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the father. I'll be honest with you. I even reading that I'm, I'm, I'm emotional. Even reading that as I sense the very presence of God on this word, I believe with all of my heart, this is a now word that God is speaking to us. The first few words, the first six words of this scripture, verse five says, let this mind be in you. In other words, I'm, this is how you're supposed to be thinking. This is how you're supposed to be approaching this. In other words, uh, I, I believe this is prophetic. How are we supposed to be responding to things around us right now? How are are we supposed to act? A a lot of us are curious, and and I would even say questioning, uh, confused even, as to how we're supposed to be responding because there's so much going on in our world right now that seems to demand a response, that seems to demand an opinion, that we have to have a stance. And so I I believe this all in my heart is let this mind be in you. In other words, here's how you're supposed to be thinking. You're supposed to be thinking right now the same way that Jesus did who, even though he was equal to God, did not not have a problem with that, but he made himself. In other words, he took the position of no reputation. He came to this earth as a human in the form of a bond servant. The first thing he did is he put himself in a service role. says even becoming obedient, even to the point of death. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about the lordship of Jesus. I want to read to you. Uh, I'm no scholar, but I, I have some really cool apps where I can click a button and give me Greek words and, and meanings and things like that. But I want to read to you the, the Greek meaning or the original meaning in the Greek of the word Lord. What does it mean to be Lord? It's, it means to be supreme in authority. And this, is the, this, is the next, this next word is the one that just pierced my heart when I read it. Supreme in authority, controller. By implication, master. Why don't you think about that word, controller? That is one of the most, uh, it can be a very gripping word, controller. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is controller. Jesus is in control. Uh, we, we live in a day and an age where if there's one thing someone doesn't want, it's someone being in control of them. Someone controlling their lives. Teenagers. If there's ever a thing that identifies a teenager, they don't want someone else. They don't want a, a parent. They don't even want a teacher. They don't want a, a coach telling them what to do. It's, it's part of the flesh that begins to creep up around. Actually, it creeps up. I've got a two-year-old. Uh, and you tell her, to—you tell her, hey, we're not going to play with this toy anymore. You take that toy from her and you set it on the table. What are you demonstrating? hey. I'm in control. We're going to do what I want. And what is her childish response to being controlled? She begins to jump up and down. It's funny watching a two-year-old baby get air. It's like you can see their little feet come off the ground. Like, oh, I've got a little athlete on my hands. I'm getting some air right there. Then I have to, like, refocus. Like, wait a minute. She's throwing a fit. She needs discipline. But all of a sudden, two years old, someone says, "I'm." her parents say, I'm in control, and all of a sudden, uh, uh, the flesh, the nature of the flesh, the sinful, mind you, the sinful nature of her flesh begins to come out and she stomps her feet. We, we, we've all got kids. If you've got kids, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Just because mine have a preacher dad don't mean that they ain't got the devil in them too. And so they're stomping up and down. What are they saying? I don't want to be controlled. I don't want to be controlled. I don't want to be told what to do. I feel like the United States of America is a two-year-old right now, jumping up and down, saying, don't tell us what to do. Don't tell us what to do. Don't tell us what to do. And mind you, some of it is we're trying to be controlled by things other than the kingdom of God, things other than the spirit of God. I I get that. I'm not ignoring that. But I just want you to take a minute and ask yourself if you're even willing to entertain that God is speaking, saying, hey, while, while there's a temptation to, let me put it this way. While there's a counterfeit, while there's an impostor on this earth right now saying, let me control you. That, that imposter is there to get you to resist that control. Inadvertently, you may also be res- resisting what God's wanting to say, which is, hey, put me back in control. You've been in control. You've been the Lord of your life. Now it's time for me to be the Lord of your life. Had a situation happen years ago, um, one of the more impactful situations that's ever happened in my life. Uh, some of you know this story. Uh, I, I was at a, I had a friend of mine invite me to this uh, this pr- prophetic night, basically where the South African prophet Ed Trout was going to be in town. It was actually the first time I met Ed Trout, and um, he began to. Uh, I was on the front row, and I was actually happened to be the very first prop- person he prophesied over that night. And I'll never forget this, as long as I live, he, uh, he called me out and he, he asked me a couple of questions and asked me what my name was, where I was from. He said, are you married? I said, yes. He said, how many kids do you have? And I said, two. And he said, but you're gonna have more, right? And I was like, oh no. And at that time I'd had a vasectomy, we had, we had shut down the shop, you know? There was no more, no more kids coming. And, uh, and he said, just very quickly, just like with no thought, I said, no, we only have two kids. He goes, and I didn't tell him anything about the vasectomy. I just said, oh, no, we're, we're done with two. And he said, really? Did you ask the Lord? And <laughs> you ever had one of those moments where very few words had to be said and you realized that you were already in the wrong? Like you hmm, there's not another thing that's going to get said right here. There ain't nothing I can do to wiggle my way out of this one. And he said, did you ask the Lord? And I just kind of looked back at him, and he he literally said this to me. Of course, this is in front of quite a few people. He said, of course you didn't ask the Lord. You did exactly what I did. You went and got a vasectomy. He said, two, and I'm done. You never even asked the Lord. And I was like, okay, I guess you're one of them real prophets <laughs> reading my mail. And then he said something very important to me. And again, I'll never forget this. I believe with all of my heart. Of course, if you know the whole story, we did end up, my wife and I, we got the vasectomy reversed. We had another kid. Uh, Whole cool story. I'm not so sure that the the aim of the Lord was as much about us having another kid as it was him aiming at dealing with an issue in my heart. Because he said this, that prophet said this to me. He said, because I'm going to tell you, If the Lord is not Lord of all, he's not the Lord at all. I remember being gripped with this overwhelming sense that there were still places in my life where Jesus was not the Lord of all. Jesus was not in control. Braden still had areas of his life that he was in control of. I'm a, I'm a grown man. We're adults. We can decide whether we have two or three children. It seems perfectly logical. And yet the Bible teaches us that there is a way that seems right to a man, but it leads to death. In the end is death. In other words, in the end is not all of the life that God has for you. Can I just say this? I'm, this is none of my notes. The life that God has for you, is on the other side of him being Lord of your life. The life that he has for you is on the other side of him being the Lord of all of your life. I felt like I learned that. I, I, I learned that that night. In fact, I'll, I'll just tell you, when he spoke that word to me, I was less concerned about making sure, at the time, Leanne had wanted another kid and I was, I was not having it. And uh, at the time, I think the Lord was less concerned And I was even less concerned and and even less believed that this was just about a kid. All of a sudden, when that word came to me and he began to speak to me about him being the Lord of all of my life, uh, the Lord prompted scripture in my heart. The Lord prompted his own word in my heart in Ephesians chapter 5, where it says, Husbands, lay down your life for your wife in the same way that Christ laid down his life for his wife, the church. And that Lord brought that word to me. And what I realized is that that word, that scripture was not in control of my life. That that word was not dictating my life. That word was not Lord in my life. In other words, there were still times where I would say, no, Leanne can have what she wants here. And I'll lay down my life here. And I'll lay down down my time here. And I'll lay down my hobby here. But I'm going to tell you what I ain't laying down. And that's a vasectomy reversal. I ain't laying that one down. And, you know, looking back, it's like I can see, I feel like the Lord would have given me a little grace after going through the whole process. It ain't... Anyway, I realized, though, the word of the Lord was not the Lord in my life, in that, especially in that particular area. And so I remember, I, you can ask Leanne, uh, I drove back. Actually, I got in the car to drive back, and I called my wife, and I repented. And this repentance was twofold. It was repenting to my wife for not doing what the Lord said. And it was repenting to the Lord because he actually was not the Lord. It was repenting to someone that I loved being my Savior and I tolerated being my Lord in a few areas. You can be the Lord of that area. You can be the Lord of that area a few of these areas they 're untouchable. I love that Keith talked about that some last week in his message in terms of having a soft heart there's some as believers as Christians, sometimes we have soft hearts towards some things, yet others are like off limits I'm not, i i don 't have a soft heart towards that i 'm not tender hearted towards that in other words i 'm not pliable i'm i 'm not able to be changed easily in these areas that 's an indicator that there's still areas of our life if we have heart a hard hearted area is an area where God, Jesus, is not Lord. He's not in control. I've I've referenced this, but I want to read this scripture. I reference this scripture all the time because I actually grew up in a a house that this was was secondhand, like this was was second nature, Uh, this understanding that the Bible was the word of God. The Bible was the word. And this scripture was one that, uh was very real to us in John chapter 1, verse 14. It says, So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. What this tells us, because I think it's very abstract, or if you're not careful, it can be very abstract to say, okay, what does it mean that Jesus is Lord of my life? Well, I'll just say this. One of the first things that it means is you have to understand that Jesus and the Word of God, the Bible, are one and the same. They are inseparable. There is nothing that's Bible that's not Jesus. There is nothing that's Jesus that's not Bible. They are inseparable. They are one and the same. In fact, it says here, the, Bi- the Word, the Word of God actually became flesh. One of those crazy things in Scripture where you're like, how did how did he do this? Like what what is this? I don't know. It's just true. The Jesus Himself says the or the word itself became flesh. In fact, in John one fourteen here, the word word is actually capitalized. It's a capital W. So the word became flesh. It, the word became Jesus. Jesus became in the flesh. Jesus, the word, the flesh. all the same thing became flesh and dwelt. Dwelt among us, the first thing you have to understand: if Jesus is the Lord of your life, if Jesus is in control of your life, then the Bible is Lord of your life. The Bible is in control of your life. I love that he makes it concrete. I love how Jesus I love how in his wisdom, how he gives us something so concrete so it can't be abstract. It can't be, well, I think that the Lord is saying this to me, or I think that the Lord is saying that to me. Have you ever noticed that Jesus always, God always starts when he's, when he's moving his people into something, he starts with something concrete. You you, you take a, you take a look at the garden of Eden, which to me, is the picture of the covenant that you and I live under today, by faith. You, you, you take the Garden of Eden. He creates this garden with all of these yeses. Oh, you can eat of that tree, you can eat of that, you can go here. In fact, expand the garden, grow the garden, develop the garden. There, there's all these yeses. But he, he gives something very concrete. He, he get, he, and I, even the way he did it seems so brilliant. And it lets us know a little bit about, about his nature. He, he places a tree in the garden. Not a, he doesn't place a cloud, something abstract. No, he places a tree. And on that tree, fruit. I heard someone preaching on this the other day, and they were like, you know, and they talked about how Adam and Eve ate the apple. Can we just stop right now and, and back off apples for a little bit? It doesn't say it was an apple. Apples are, apples are delicious, okay? The apples are good. It wasn't necessarily an apple tree. It was a fruit tree. It had some kind of fruit on it. So very concrete Here's a tree. It's a real, it wasn't an imaginary tree. It wasn't a metaphoric tree. It was a tree with bark and leaves. And on this tree, bark and leaves tree, it had fruit. And Jesus said, don't eat of that fruit. Do not eat. This is very concrete. This is not something that you can, it wasn't an imaginary no-fly zone that one day you could just walk in and be like, oh my gosh, I accidentally got into the knowledge of good and evil zone and now I have the knowledge. No, no, no. It was something very concrete. It made it very, very simple. You, Adam and Eve, don't eat that. It's going to look good. You're going to think it's going to be good, but don't do it. What was, he, what, was he, what was he setting up? He was setting up a system, a very concrete system by which we could keep him in control. In other words, every time I walked by, Adam and Eve walked by that tree, every time they said no to touching that fruit, to eating of that fruit, they were saying yes to the Lordship of God. Every time they said no, they were in their hearts equally saying, you're in control. You are the boss. You are supreme. It's like in, uh, uh, this is something I just felt by the Spirit of the Lord that this would, Help some people. I, I'm grieved. If I'm being really honest with you, I'm grieved at the amount of sexual sin that's gripping the body of Christ. Notice I said the body of Christ, not gripping Los Angeles and not gripping the media industry. No, no, no. I'm talking about gripping the body of Christ. Sexual, sexual sin, immorality adultery, pornography. It's it's wrecking lives. It's wrecking homes. I hate it. And but so I feel like this actually can help. I don't I don't go throughout my day as a as a husband. I don't go throughout my day looking at all these women and decide and saying uh, no to her, no to her, no to her, oh, no to her, definitely no to her. No. I don't go through my life re- having to say a bunch of no's. Here's why because I said one big yes. I said one big yes to Leanne. And that one big yes gives automatic answers for all the rest. And as I continue to develop that strong yes with her and give her my life and give up my life for her and I invest my life into her, all of a sudden you don't even, you, start to, you stop even recognizing that there are more no's, out that there are other no's out there because of that yes. In the, In a similar way, Adam and Eve saying no to that tree, I'm not going to touch that tree, is equally them saying yes to his lordship in every other area of their life. That one thing. He made it very concrete. Go on to the the Ten Commandments. Jesus begins to reintroduce, not reintroduce, but introduce a new way of dealing with his people through these Ten Commandments and this new system of blessing and cursing based on do you keep the commandments or do you not keep the commandments? And notice what he could have done. He could have given those commandments to Moses and said, Moses, here are the commands. Have these impressed in your heart and don't forget these 10 commandments and then teach them to all your kids and don't let them ever forget the 10 commandments. You would think that in and of itself would, would, would be enough. But he, he saw fit to literally himself engrave those 10 commandments in stone. So he says, I'm going to make sure it's very concrete. This is not going to be abstract. You know what I mean? Feelings don't matter. Memory does not matter. I'm etching it in stone. In the garden of Eden, something concrete. In the, under the law, something concrete. Under grace, under the new covenant, he equally said, I need to give them something concrete. And he saw fit to do it through the word of God through the divinely collected, inspired Word of God, the inspired Word of God that came through the minds of men and and through the hands of men who wrote this stuff down and divinely orchestrated into this collection of books that is the Word of God. He has always made sure that we had something concrete. When When Adam and Eve did not eat of that fruit, they were saying, you're the Lord of my life. When under the under the law, when people did not do the things that the commandment said, don't do, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal. Those things. When, when, we did those, when, when you did those things under the law, you were saying, I'm doing this because you're in control. Every time I do this, you're in control. In the same way, God has given us his word to say, this is now the Lord of your life. This is a very concrete thing to let you know this is Jesus. This is the Lord of your life. This Bible can be trusted. This Bible should be followed as the Lord, Lord of your life, in control. The Bible is in control. It's in control of every area of my life. And I, I, I want to just talk around two, t- right, today, I want to talk around two things that I'm very thankful that the Bible is in control of. Or, Let me say it a different way. That Jesus himself, the word that became flesh, that Jesus himself is in control of. Number one, and I think it's probably the most important thing that Jesus is the Lord of. Jesus is the Lord of our salvation. Jesus himself is in control of our salvation. Jesus himself is the one that's in control of our eternity. Romans chapter 6 verse 23 says this. It says that the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. In other words, sin wanted to have control. (laughs) The devil and sin wanted to have control, actually did have control over life and death and over your eternity. But Jesus himself came and paid for your sin so that you did not have to pay, so that you weren't the Lord of your salvation anymore, that by faith, by confessing, just like we read earlier, by confessing Jesus as the Lord of your life, I'm equally saying Jesus is now the one that's in control of my salvation, not my works, not my obedience, not my lack thereof, none of those things anymore are in control of heaven and hell for me. The only person that's in control of heaven and hell for me is Jesus, and Jesus paid, in Jesus, was the full penalty of death paid. He is now the Lord of my salvation. By faith, you never have to question again whether you're spending eternity in heaven or whether you're spending, it sounds so basic, but you need to understand this because even the, the enemy himself will still come at, the, come at you at times and try to decide. I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to keep messing around. You're not going to make it to heaven. You're going to keep messing around. This is not going to work out good for you. The, these are things that seem so elementary, but he still comes at us with those things. The most important thing that Jesus is the Lord of is Jesus is the Lord of our salvation. Psalm 68, 19 says this. Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits, the God of our salvation. The God of our salvation. Get that seared in your heart. Jesus is in control of your salvation. Your disobedience isn't even in the control of your salvation. Your works is not in control of your salvation. Your heaven and hell, you're being saved from death. Jesus is the Lord of that. Jesus is in control of that. Last one, and then we'll close today. Jesus is Lord of our salvation. Equally so and similarly so, Jesus is the Lord of our righteousness. Jesus is in control. I'm going to keep using that word, in control. Jesus is in control of our righteousness. What does that mean? Jesus is in control of our right standing with God. Jesus gets to determine how God looks at us. Jesus gets to determine how God feels when he looks at us. He gets to determine whether we are worthy to be in his presence or not. Go back to the Old Testament. When when the priests would enter into the Holy of Holies, they, they couldn't have any sin in their life. They couldn't have any hidden sin. Why? Because sin could not be in the presence of God if you were not in right standing with God, you could not be in his presence and live. And so they would tie a rope around the, the, the priest's feet so that if, and, and a bell to let them know, hey, is he, st-? every now and then, I mean, I'd have been one of those is messing around with the priest every now and then, like jangling the bell, like seeing, hey, hey you still alive in there? No, what, what was that? What, what do we have access to? We have access to right standing with God, which means we have access to the presence of God because Jesus is the Lord of our right standing. My attitude the other night with my wife is not the decider of my right standing with God or not. My, my road rage <laughs> is not in control of my right standing with God. My uh, habits, the bondage I'm under, the, the, the bondage of, of pornography or the bondage of drug and alcohol abuse or, or the bondage of whatever else that is, those things are not in charge of my right standing with God. Why? Why? Because I'm not the Lord of my life. Jesus is the Lord of my life. Therefore, Jesus is the Lord of my righteousness. Jesus is the Lord of my right standing with God. When I made Jesus the Lord of my life, he became the Lord of all of my life, spirit, soul, and body. And so uh, here's what this does. Nothing transforms, nothing transforms people like the presence of God. There is, there is nothing more transforming. Uh, you've heard me tell the story. Some of you may have heard me tell the story. The most incredible encounter in my entire life is when I actually was visited by Jesus himself. I had a visitation from the Lord. And in that moment, because of my theology, I was I was shocked that he wasn't saying more to me. I was shocked that he was not giving me more instructions. It's like, wait a minute, you're gonna you're coming just hang out, just gonna lay here with me on this stage, and that's because that's exactly what happened. And and I remember it took my theology some time to catch up because in that moment, my life was impacted. In fact, I I almost can never even tell the full story. In fact, I won't tell it right now because I'll start crying again. I can't even tell the story without it absolutely, the motion of that thing wrecking me all over again. Why? Because there's something about the presence of God that transforms you in a way that, that just words on a page cannot do. In fact, let me, can I just say this? The words of the Bible are not to educate you, they're to invite you into his presence. This is not just an education. He didn't put these words down and collect all these words just to educate you on who he was. It was to invite you to be with him, these words are an invitation to an encounter. They are war, they're an invitation to living your life in the presence, in the presence of God. <clears throat> you don't get to be in the presence of God unless you are in right standing with God. So God knew I could ne- we could never deserve we could never earn right standing. So Jesus came and lived a perfect life so that He could become the Lord of our righteousness the lord of our right standing he traded us his perfect right standing with god so that we never had to question whether we had access to the transforming power of the presence of god jesus is the lord of our salvation and jesus is the lord of our righteousness it's it's uh, this this is probably the most distracting thing i'll say all day uh, I, we, as i'm talking about the lordship and just the power of uh, of of the word Lord, uh, sometimes I tell Leanne, "I'm like, hey, I really feel like if I'm really the head of this home, I think you should start calling me Lord. I really feel like it's appropriate from now on when you address me. Could you just address me as Lord Connor or Lord Braden? Uh, and so, I, actually, right now I feel like we're going to start a, a church-wide movement. Wives, I feel like you're all supposed to start calling your husbands Lord. I think it's in. I think it's a good practice. I can't even say that with a. I can't even say that with a straight face. Jesus is in control. He's the boss of our salvation. He's the determiner of our salvation. He's the determiner of our righteousness. Here's what I think I I want you to get out of today. I want you to get out of today. The most important thing I, I want you to get out of today is Jesus wants to be with you. Your heavenly father wants to be with you. And to get what he wants more than anything, which is to be with you, which is what he had in the garden with Adam and Eve. He just wanted to be with them. And what happened to separate him being with them? They became the Lord of their life and stopped letting him be the Lord of their life. And I'm, I'm inviting you back into this place and said, hey, I want Jesus. I want you back in the position that you belong in, which is Lord of my life, Lord of my salvation, mainly Lord of my righteousness, more Lord of my right standing, so that I, in my, by faith, because remember, all of this is by faith. Every, how we obtain all this is by faith. So that by faith, when I'm at my weakest, when I'm at my worst, when I'm at my most disobedient, even at times when I'm under my most, the most bondage I've ever been under, the enemy cannot convince you of the lie that you are responsible of your right standing with God. Therefore, if you're not in right standing, if you're responsible and you haven't earned or deserve it, then you don't have access to his presence. As long as Jesus is the Lord of your righteousness, you always always have access to his presence. You always have access to Him. You have a right. That's another way to say it. You actually have a right to come to Him. You have a right to ask Him. You have a right to believe that good things are coming your direction. You have a right to believe that your marriage is not going to fall apart. You have a right to believe that your business is going to turn around. You have a right to believe that even though everything, everything else around you is going downhill, your life is going uphill. Why? Because you are in right standing with God. You are in right standing with God. Thanks for tuning in today. You can stay connected with Renew Life Church by following us on Facebook or Instagram or by visiting our website at www.renewlifechurch.com. We love you and hope you feel encouraged from this message today.